Hello, and welcome to Follow the Math. My name is Brandon Campbell. I am your host. Um, very first podcast that I'm making today. Um, never done one before, and uh, thought I might get my hat in the ring. I know what we need is another podcast. There's hundreds of thousands of them out there, but I'm going to give it a shot. So, why Follow the Math? We live in a world of catchphrases. Um, Things like build back better, keep America great, black lives matter, my lived experience, and know your truth, and there's much more. And um, the biggest one right now is follow the science, which doesn't seem, nobody's really doing that right now. Um, These terms become so misused, they're meaningless. racist, fascist, uh, all these different things. They become overly used and misused terms that when you call Larry Elder the white, the black face of white supremacy, we know it's gone down the rabbit hole so far. There's really no going back with it. And follow the science is such an overused term and no one seems to be following it, especially my governor in my state of Washington. So, again, um, I live in Washington State. Uh, I live on the west side of the mountain range. So, you, those of you who are not familiar, um, Washington is split kind of down, down from north to south by the Cascade Mountain Range. <clears throat> and on the west side, you have the Puget Sound region, which is uh, mainly Seattle, Tacoma and so on. And on the other side, you have mainly farmland, um, desert area, and the next biggest city besides the ones over in Seattle would be the city of Spokane. Um, That's where I was born and raised. Moved over to this side of the state when I met my wife, and I've been here ever since. Probably one of the most beautiful areas in the country, uh, in my opinion. It does rain here a lot. It's raining right now. It's October. Um, and it's going to rain pretty much all winter and early spring. And, but when the sun comes out, there's really no better place to be. Um, and I love this state, but I'm beginning not to. And the reason why I'm not to is because of my government in the state, especially my governor, um, issuing mask mandates when we didn't know that they were actually worthwhile or not we were told they weren't then we were told they were and then we are told which ones do work and which ones don't and 99 percent of the people were the ones who that don't work um i worked there the very first four months of this pandemic without a mask going to people's homes and so did my wife and then uh, our governor jay Inslee decided to, to issue a statewide mask mandate um, everywhere and um, then after what about a year of the mask mandate in uh, june of 2021 he decided that coronavirus was going to take um you know the summer off and so he lifted the mask mandate and then in late august two months later 
he reissued a mass mandate. So I guess COVID from now on is going to be, um, you know, taking a summer break just like the kids do. So here we are, another mass mandate. And not only that, um, our president has issued a vaccine mandate for employees of 100 people or more, even though that mandate holds exempt the entire Congress, which I guess that doesn't make much sense. It seems like we're coming into a class issue um, more than anything else. And then Jay Ensley follows suit and he said, well, not 100, I want 80. 80 businesses with 80 people need to uh, be vaccinated or lose your job. And uh, if companies don't comply to this mandate, um, they are going to be fined up to $14,000 per occurrence, um, per employee. Um, and it's a little messed up considering that if we were going to follow the science, we know that um, natural immunity, if you have caught in the virus and some people were asymptomatic, some people got pretty sick, some people got hospitalized, some people died. Um, but the fact of the matter is, statistically, if we were going to follow the math, the vast majority of people who have contracted the virus uh, weren't hospitalized, nor did they die. Um, it's unfortunate that we've had this pandemic come to us, but we do have to deal with it, and we can't just shut down our society and reshape society because of a virus. So, mainly with this pandemic, I'm really concerned is about the mental health and the education of our youth. I have two kids. Um, when the virus or pandemic first started occurring, coming over to the mainland states, uh, first occurrence was in uh, Kirkland, Washington, which is a suburb of Seattle. So, it actually, ground zero was here, and um, Washington was pretty hard hit. I'm not exactly sure of the statistics. I do know the states that had the least amount of restrictions also have some of the best numbers as far as cases and deaths and hospitalizations, which I find quite hilarious that um, when you don't decide to control things that you have to let it run its course, sometimes you get a better outcome. <clears throat> but really about the mental health and education of our youth, um, suicide attempts in 2020 um, were up 37% um, between ages uh, 12 and 17 and during this pandemic, during the lockdowns, during when kids couldn't go to school, couldn't socialize, had to stay at home. Uh, fortunately for my kids, we live um, kind of out in the country a little bit where uh, we live in the neighborhood, which is kind of really spread out. They were able to go outside and do things and um, you know, play with their friends in the neighborhood, things of that nature. But there's a lot of people out there that, you know, live in condos, um, live in like the dense urban areas where you really couldn't go out to do anything. Everything was shut down. You were completely isolated from your home. Um, and, you know, people talk about uh, incarceration, um, isolation that way, how mentally damaging it is for people that way. You're doing the same thing too us as a free society locking us down like we were incarcerated and it's greatly affected our youth um particular uh, girls in that age group 12 to 17 um 
overall 30, what was it, 37 percent uh, attempted suicide um, at the emergency departments where kids actually went to the uh, emergency room to seek help. And of that 31 percent, 54 percent increase uh, in teenage girls. So I think this pandemic really is going to um, affect generations of people for maybe their entire lives. Um, this age range, this group range, 12 to 17, you know, they're living with the this depression, anxiety, uh, suicidal thoughts, cutting themselves, um, self-harm, that kind of stuff. And um, right now, if you try to seek help for mental illness, um, you know, in this area, a lot of the psychologists and psychiatrists are backlogged for months. So if you have a teen right now who's trying to hurt themselves, you can't even get help um, because of the backlog from the shutdowns of the pandemic. So that really saddens me, and I, I, I think it's completely unnecessary um, what has happened. And that kind of also gets me in the education portion of this. Um, during the pandemic, my two kids, one was in sixth grade, one was in fourth grade. And um, the shutdown happened right in the middle of the school year. Um, at first, I thought, okay, well, they'll probably be back in April. Come April, still nothing. Um, and it pretty much continued. Um, chalked it up for the rest of the school year. Uh, during that time, they were doing Zoom uh, schooling, which, let's be honest, the kids didn't learn a single fucking thing. Um, they kind of regressed as as far as their education. Um, and then the summer came, um, like, okay, well, at least they'll get back to school start of the next year and no online schooling. Now the online schooling, I guess, you know, the school districts were doing the best they could. However, um, the kids didn't learn anything again, you know, so coming into their eighth grade and sixth grade years now from six to four, um, I had an eighth grader. Um, starting eighth grade with a sixth grade ed education, maybe considering he only had half a sixth grade, and the other one a barely fourth grade education going into sixth grade. So, this education issue is gonna affect this generation for the rest of their lives. Some might catch up, some might not. Um, but, you know, one of our uh, educators in the state uh, said on a, on, in an interview once that, you know, if everyone is behind, then no one is behind, which I don't understand that ass backwards thinking. Um, actually, if everyone's behind, then you're behind because the rest of the world who didn't shut this down and had had the kids go to school aren't behind. So we are behind them. Um, we've got to be honest about this type of stuff. And that's kind of where I'm at. It's kind of where I, I decided to do this podcast because <clears throat> I hear a lot of things being said and I listen to a lot of different podcasting uh, with people I agree with. And most importantly, I listen to people I do not agree with on certain topics. And I think that's important. And we're living in a world right now where it's everything's about teams. Um, you have to fit into a certain team. You have to fit in a certain ideology. If you have an American flag hanging uh, on your house, you are considered a Republican, which I, doesn't make sense to me. 
Um, but there's all these different things going on where people are being split into groups and refusing to talk to people or associate with people who maybe have a different point of view about different social or political uh, things going on in our country. And so that's kind of the background um, as far as why I decided to, to do a podcast is, is these types of things, starting with these mandates and kind of just getting fed up with what's going on in the country, especially what's going on in my state of Washington. Um, we are one of eight states in the country that have a mask mandate, meaning 42 other states don't. And our numbers are pretty poor in comparison to other states, um, especially Florida. You know, Florida had the has a third highest population in the country and has some of the best statistics as far as um, people recovering without being hospitalized and or deaths. Um, their deaths, you know, they do have an old aging population. A lot of retirees go to Florida, like we all know, and other states like Arizona. So it would make sense that they have a higher death rate in certain circumstances when it comes to age range. But it's one of the things is I'm pretty fed up with and, you know, mandating things isn't American. It isn't liberty. And we are getting our freedoms slowly taken away. And I need to talk about those because I am about freedom and liberty. And once you take an inch, it's just a matter of time before they take another inch. And two, three decades go by. And then when something like this were happen again, now our country has the authority to shut everything down like what's going on in Australia. And I have a feeling that we're slowly becoming to that point. And I figured the more people who talk about it, more people who push back, um, the better chances we have of maintaining our freedoms in this country. And that's all freedoms. Um, a woman's right to choose is a belief of mine. And my right to bear arms is also a strong belief of mine. And my personal thought is that a well-armed society is a polite society. And I see that every day um, working in the dense Seattle area and then coming out to where I live where there probably are more guns per capita where I live than there are in most other areas of the state, especially Seattle. Um, and the way people treat each other um, in the metro area and in comparison to the way people treat each other out where I live. Um, I go to a, a store and someone just holds a door for me and I do the same. Someone drops something, you help them pick it up. Someone locks their keys in the car, you lend a hand to try to get, you know, get that car door back open so they can, you know, get their keys. Um, things like that, you know, just, just being polite and being helpful and, you know, loving thy neighbor, I guess you could say. Not a religious person, but, you know, these are certain just moral things that you do because you're a good person and you want to help others and you want others to help you in times of need. Um, so that's pretty much the introduction to the podcast. That's what's going to be going on. Um, I'm going to be just talking about different subjects here and there. 
maybe as this progresses, I will get some um, people to talk to, have, you know, uh, different conversations with people that maybe have a different point of view than I do. And maybe those people can reshape my opinion and present me with certain information or certain facts that I haven't thought of or taken into consideration. And maybe I'll change my mind on certain things and maybe I can change people's minds on other things. But that's what I want this to be. I want it to be an open discussion with people you do agree with and people you do not agree with and keep that channel of communication open in a world that wants to close it. So today, the main talking point today is we are going through Congress with an infrastructure um, plan and the first infrastructure plan was a 1.2 trillion to actually for actual physical infrastructure and then there's also a plan that if it were passed also needs to pass a 3.5 trillion dollar plan for social infrastructure now um, we have a lot of roads and bridges that need to be uh, fixed and repaired and built and we need to focus on you know other means of transportation things of that nature to be as efficient as a society as possible but really the 3.5 trillion um, social spending bill is kind of where I'm like shaking my head at I don't get it and I don't get how the money is going to be spent. One of these things is that, you know, free college tuition uh, for community college, which I'm not against. Um, I'm actually probably for that just for the mere fact is, you know, K through 12 education is public, um, at least a two year degree. If someone wants to um, pursue that would be good overall and they could use that moving forward. Um, but we all know that a two-year uh, community college degree is just really an open doorstep into a four-year undergraduate degree and so on. Um, two-year degrees, I think, are mainly for skilled trade type um, labor um, and some other you know, instances, uh, different certificate, certi uh, certifications, things like that. Um, what I'm kind of puzzled about is some of the other things going on, like um, they want to, you know, give 79 billion um, to, you know, the community or the education committee, which that's such a broad base of, you know, I'm looking at this and it's all about committee, 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 financial committee, education committees. And what are these committees actually going to do? What's the breakdown from there? You can give them one lump sum. And then where's the accounting going to be of where this money goes and where it flows to? Does this, a lot of this money going to be wasted through um, salaries paying to people who distribute the money? Because a lot of times it is. And so they keep saying also, you know, it's, it's paid for. It's not going to cost anything. And I don't, it always costs something. And mainly the, the way I really want to break it down with is and get specific is with infrastructure tax increases so how are they going to pay for certain things well there are going to be some tax increases on individuals and corporations but mainly i want to talk about the individual income tax because one of the biggest talking points with the democratic party is pay your fair share and it, it really resonates with a lot of people that, you know, especially with people who, you know, kind of maybe struggle a little bit or are getting by, but 
you know, if something were to happen, you know, and they had to come up with a, a couple of thousand dollars, it's going to be really tough. So what are they talking about with pay your fair share? <clears throat> so it says, you know, household income of $400,000 or less <clears throat> is going to have a, is going to have a tax of 18%, which it currently is, and it's not going to change. Now, to me, 18% at 400000 you know, it seems to be okay, but 18% at 60000 that just seems to be really high to me. Um, now, from $400,000 household income, when, you, when you're going from 400000 to $5 million of household income, it jumps only 3% to 21. I mean, you think about that. A guy who's making five million, which is twenty times more than a household making four hundred thousand, are paying the exact same tax. That makes no sense. You know, the top rate tax is going to be thirty nine point six from thirty seven percent, and that's where I think it really is interesting because you're only giving a two and a half percent increase on people over five million dollars. And you think about that, these people, the top donors of these candidates are coming from people who make, are going to be in that tax bracket. A lot of these senators, um, i.e. Nancy Pelosi, is going to be in that tax bracket. So she doesn't want to tax herself too much, but, you know, she, she doesn't mind taxing the little guy, making sure that he pays his 18%. Um, it's pretty sickening because, you know, she went to Congress, you know, and she wasn't rich. And now she's worth over $100 million. And that seems pretty fishy. But all these tax loopholes that the politicians put into place are ways they can go about paying taxes just like the corporations can. And people didn't kind of open up their eyes to that. And one of the biggest things is that I, I think is ridiculous is they want to give $79 billion to the IRS and solely so they can do more auditing. They can give more resources to the IRS to audit more people's tax returns. And so that means this, the, the likelihood of somebody who just is filing a 1040 easy making 40 or $30,000 a year is going to be at a higher audit risk than they would have been beforehand. And this is really going to affect so many small businesses. And what I mean by that is, you know, landscaping business or, you know, it's a standard contracting business. Um, a lot of contractors I see, you know, such and such contracting, but he has a $60,000 pickup that he put a $5,000 suspension system on, but he gets to write that off through his business because that is a business expense. Is it necessary? No, but the guy wants a nice lifted truck. Well, if, uh, this goes through what's going to happen is the irs is going to be more likely to audit that contractor and that five thousand dollar write-off on his suspension is going to be owed in back taxes plus interest so we really need to think about that it's going to audit a lot more like mom and pop shops craft shops little you know corner store type places um it's just going to be a mass auditing of small businesses and people who fall under that you know four hundred thousand dollar household income or less 
that's what it really is going to be. So that 18% that you're paying now is going to turn into a whole lot more because whatever write-offs you have, they're going to come back and they're going to audit the shit out of it and they're going to get their money. And that's what they want. They want and then they want to return on the investment of that $79 billion. Let's be honest. They wouldn't put that money in it if they couldn't get it back. So pay your fair share. So I ran through a couple of statistics um, from the or last one was 2019 is what I could find. And so the top 10% um, of household income in the country. So if you're making your household, whatever it may be, if your adjusted gross income is $200,000 or more, you are in the top 10% of all households in the country. 90% or better, okay? But when it comes to tax collection, this is where it's important, is that those households that are making $200,000 or more adjusted all the way up to the highest tax brackets are paying 70.4% of all of the individual income taxes. So 30% of the tax collection from individuals is in that bottom 30%. And so of that bottom 30%, 54% of household, so 54% of household incomes are $75,000 or less in the country. And so depending on where you live, you think about this, you know, I live in the Puget Sound Seattle area and a household income of $200,000 a year really isn't that much, especially, you know, in the city of Seattle where the median price ha uh, uh, household, or excuse me, not household, uh, medium home value is reaching a million dollars. And I'm talking about a 1942 built, you know, $1,100 or 1,100 square foot home um, is going to cost you roughly a million bucks, give or take. So if you're making $200,000 household income, a million dollar home is a stretch. So most people, you know, here are living in condensed townhomes, condensed condos, things of that nature. <clears throat> you really have to be making a lot of money in order to afford a house uh, in where I live. But, you know, in other places, you know, maybe Montana or in some of the southern states, Mississippi, Louisiana, those home prices are much cheaper, and but also wages are much lower. So $75,000 a year in, you know, Missouri is going to get you a lot more bang for your buck than if you made $100,000 in the Seattle area. So household income of $75,000 or less, that's 54% of all households. It makes them the bottom 50% of earners. So of that 50%, so if your household income is $75,000 or less, that 50% only pays 2.9% of the taxes collected, which means that 97% of the taxes collected by individual income is from household incomes of $75,000 a year or more. Now, I think pay their fair share is a talking point. 
it's a talking point that gets people to the voting booth and vote blue no matter who because you know they always want these rich folks the to pay their fair share and these rich corporations to pay their fair share but over 70 percent of the taxes are collected are collected from households collecting making 200k or more a year so it's just a talking point it's just it's bullshit and if they really wanted to be progressive about things and get people to pay their fair share that 2.9 percent of income that people make or people pay out if they were to say in a real progressive strategy and this would make sense to me and i'd be all for it is the first seventy five thousand dollars of income made in a year is exempt from federal taxes you could even collect those taxes, but you know you're getting those back at the end of the year. Or you can even file exempt. So if you're making $100,000, you're only paying taxes on $25,000 of that. Think about that. 2.9%. You could spread that 2.9% from the 400000 to $5 million mark or at the top 1% of the top rate of 396 A 2.5% increase on someone making $8 million a year isn't that much now if you gave them a six percent increase it would be more but it still is not going to hurt the pocketbook too much so that's progressive we want to help people we want to give these credits we want to free education free um, uh, daycare things of that nature how about letting people file exempt for the first seventy five thousand dollars they make now it's based upon household income so if you have two people and you're making over 75 grand you got to be careful but if they did that think about how much extra money you'd have at per paycheck how much extra money you could put in your pocket putting a savings account that's earning interest things like that that's actually helping people and so that's my thought that's my thought how to help the middle class to actually help the middle class not just giving you a credit here and a credit there, or we're not going to tax you anymore. How about you tax them less? They only pay 3% of the actual income taxes of the entire country. So that's it for today. Um, let me know what you think. I'm open to ideas, um, other things to talk about. Um, so uh, you can email me at followthemath, all one word, at gmail.com. Uh, please don't be too critical. <laughs> uh, I do take critici- criticism okay, but you know I know a lot of people get hate mail and shit like that. So let me know what you think. Uh, we'll take it from there. And my goal is to, you know, maybe do one of these a week. Um, we'll see how it goes. See how life rolls. Because everybody, I still, you know, I work full time and have a family, and that's number one to me. And this is going to be on the back burner unless I get some more traction. So let me know what you guys think. Uh, Again, follow the math at gmail.com and we'll talk to you soon.